Dear Brambling, it's your Uncle Luke here. So here we are, the last podcast with uh, Scott Harris here talking about the king archetype. I just wanted to take this moment to thank Scott for joining me on this big, long journey, and I just wanted to thank you listeners for tuning in and um, maybe getting something of value from these uh, conversations. I know that was a lot of uh, Scott and I just talking. Yeah, um, just thanks so much for um, being here with me and listening, and I really do appreciate it. In this conversation, Scott and I are going to be talking about, well, the king archetype and what that means. And um, yeah, I think something that kind of organically came up is uh, this topic of what it means to be a a healthy masculine man. And um, currently in our day and age, both of us have been finding that there has been this uh, energy out when it comes to masculinity where men are really trying to like redefine what it means to be a man. What's coming up is a lot of just unhealthy and toxic ideas and it's it's worrying us because it's really taking away from people's individuality it's really taking away from people's self-worth and we both kind of been finding that there's people out there that are yelling into an echo chamber uh in order to get validation cutting people down and justifying it and making people feel small and worthless and it's just not okay. I don't really like it myself. For me, a healthy man is just someone who sees themselves as a man and tries to become a better person every single day. That's it. That's all I can say. There's no nuances, details about anything. It's like, that's it. I think uh, sitting in that energy of trying to become a better person every single day, being grateful for what you do have, and um, thanking others for being a part of their life and connecting with them, that is what it means to be sitting in your king archetype, your king energy. We do go into some of the shadows of the the king which is like the tyrant and the weakling and um, we talk about how those two shadows are probably the most fast to switch out of all the other shadows Um, and i also uh, talk about one of my other favorite shows um, called the dragon prince and i quote it a few times i hope that you enjoy this conversation and um yeah uh, i'll just leave it there and um i will catch you all on the other side hello scott welcome back how's it going good how are you doing i'm doing good so we're we're finally back um doing the last archetype today and uh this is wild i can't believe we've already done all of them and today's the last one yeah wow i i like i'm i don't know i don't even know what to say i'm kind of speechless i can't believe we've done this <laughs> we've we've reached the pinnacle of the the mountaintop now with the king 
We have, yeah. But yeah, how's how's the week been? What's been what's been on your mind? What's been on your heart this week? Well, you know, I've talked a little bit about it. It's been an interesting kaleidoscope. This is my favorite word now is kaleidoscope, but mm. kaleidoscope of differing emotions, I think, since the new year started. Just bouncing around from these these feelings of gratitude mixed in with with a bit of doubt mixed in with some sadness mixed in with some joy like i've had these moments where i'm just I, i've really been able to appreciate myself and reward myself for all the hard work i've done but then on the flip of that i've also experienced these moments where you know the the, the shadow takes over and, and starts getting into some of these internal dialogues of oh you're not that far along and oh you could do better and oh, you're not succeeding yet. And, you know, just kind of falling into a bit of that energy. And I don't know if you experienced this, but yeah, it's, we have these internal dialogues, right? We know this, or like these, these wounds and these shadows that come up. But I also feel kind of spiritually, like I don't know if Mercury retrograde is a real thing, but sometimes is it a placebo for me? I don't know. Or is it just that I'm aware of it? But I always find there's a stretch of about two weeks in the middle of Mercury retrograde where my system feels offline. And, and and that kind of contributes, I think, to a lot of these mixed emotions running rampant, which makes it more important for me to try to breathe, meditate and be in my king energy. But yeah, I don't know. It's weird, man. Like Mercury retrograde, I think happens about three times a year. And this one started about December 28th, goes to about January 18th. So early Jan is like when you're right in the heart of it all, I guess you could say. Okay. And it's just, it's, and the reason why, like, I don't know what it is, but it's just, it's, it's, it's more than just, oh, I'm having these thoughts. It feels like it is out of my control sometimes. Like it does feel energetic as if there's a collective energy going on in the universe that's really creating or pushing me off center. And that's the best way to describe the beginning of the new year for me is off center. Mm, fascinating. Wow. I had no idea that Mercury was in the microwave and, uh, <laughs> I like that. I've never heard that. I like that. <laughs> I didn't really, I haven't really noticed any of that myself, but I really do hear what you're saying. You know, there is this uh, YouTuber called Thomas Sanders who does this, um, what does he do? He does these skits or these plays essentially where it, he kind of does his own archetypal work where, you know, he has a version of himself that's logical. He's got a version of himself that's his heart. He's got a version of himself that's his creativity. And then he's got his uh, anxiety as well. And through the course of his uh, his series that he's done, he reveals the dark sides and, you know, like deceit comes out. And then this one episode that he did that was really impactful to me was intrusive thoughts that come in. And it was actually quite profound and hilarious and witty, uh, the episode. But what he describes is that, you know, intrusive thoughts are actually just a form of our creativity. It's just the dark side of our creativity. And it's our mind wanting to just spew out the most fun, creative, but yet twisted, dark things that we can think of. And Oftentimes, we judge these thoughts. We're scared of these thoughts. We put shame and judgment to these thoughts. And when we let these thoughts rule us, it can really start to like take hold. And what I really appreciated about the video was that they're pretty much saying that you can't really control the intrusive thoughts. Everyone's going to have intrusive thoughts. 
And if you weren't scared or worried about having them, then maybe there is something to be checked out, <laughs> if that makes any sense. But it kind of sounded like what you're saying is that, you know, this energy is just something that's out of your control and you're feeling that. What was the word or the term that you used? Off? Off center. Off center. You know, I think uh, using the wisdom from the, the Sander side series and now just maybe Mercury is in the microwave. <laughs> I love saying that, but uh, I think if we just keep judging it and if we keep shaming it, it's going to keep ruling us. And I think that's also another great segue into the conversation we're going to have is like, how do we be in that king where we can prevent these thoughts from taking hold of us and prevent us from feeling that shame? So yeah, the king, Scott, we're on the king. <laughs> mm -hmm. Tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about um, what it means to be in your king. Well, it means to be connected to source, connected to your, your highest self, your most authentic self. It's about being connected, I think, to also to the universe, essentially, as well. You know, Robert Moore talks about a lot in his lectures, like you're channeling the sacred king. You're channeling that almost godlike energy. You're channeling it to do good in the world. You're channeling it to portray the qualities of a human king. And the qualities of the human king are compassion, generosity, nurturing, understanding, kindness, loving, all of these amazing qualities that a good king or a healthy king has. But it really comes down to how you achieve that is being in your center. And I think all of the stuff that we've talked about, and I was having these thoughts, we can get into this in a little bit, where without the king, you've got nothing. Wow. That's where that's where the shadows are going to really start to take form. The, the more your king has been abdicated from his throne, or he's been usurped from his throne, the more problems you're going to face. And that's where the slippery slope happens, where I think a lot of times, say people do a meditation retreat, or they do a workshop, or they do a coaching course. The tendency is to come out of these things feeling like a king, like mm -hmm. a queen, like just fully like, yes, this is what life is about. I'm so connected to myself. But the thing is, if we don't nurture that king, if we don't nurture that queen, the shadows never go away. So you have to be really careful. And I think what's happened to me, part of what's contributed to this little bit of usurpation actually over the last couple of weeks is that I was very much king warrior heading forward into the Christmas break and I needed that break so bad. And during that break, my king and my magician and my warrior, pretty much all three of them effed off um, <laughs> and just let my lover have free reign. And as the new year started, it was, it's been a challenge to pull that, that lover off the throne and go, okay, mm. man, like, like we do need to get back to this thing that called life and reality. Here's an interesting thought. The first thing that came online for me, I think, uh, when I started the new year, wasn't the king. And that was the problem. The first part of my psyche to push the lover off was magician and warrior. Like they were the, again, the first two to go to town and kick the lover off and, and get right to work. It's funny. I always thought of meditation as a magician practice or even a warrior practice. But the more I, I do this work, the more I feel like it's really important for the king to meditate. I think it's important because that, that literally is you sitting on a throne, essentially, if you've got a meditation cushion or whatever, and it is connecting with yourself and it is checking in with your inner child. It's connecting to your shadows. It's connecting mm -hmm. to your thoughts and allowing what needs to happen, happen or not happen and being present with yourself and showing compassion to yourself. It was interesting. I want to share this so I don't forget. My girlfriend today, she had her birthday yesterday. She had a really good day. 
and she's been um, taking care of her dad. She's doing all this stuff. And she had a real outpouring of love from everybody on her birthday. And she started to think about this idea if she wanted to maybe do, because she turned 40, 40 days of self-care, whatever that looks like for her. But one of the things she said to me, she's like, you know, you would be proud or you'd be, I know you'll like this, she says, but she just decided to kind of sit and light a candle and she just placed her hand over her heart. And I was like, yeah. And I thought of you in that moment because it brings back to this self-compassion and and the ability. There's just something about placing your hand over your heart. It's also really good in connecting with one another. It's like, you know, my heart connects to your heart. But there was just something about like envisioning her doing that for herself. And I told her, I said, you know, I know you're busy, but honestly, 10 minutes is all it takes to just sit, take some good deep breaths, place your hand over your heart and show some love and care for yourself. So yeah, I just wanted to share that because it was just a really cool moment and it, and it does connect to what we're talking about, which is we need to consciously connect to that king and whatever that image of that king is for us. Mm-hmm. Wow. Otherwise, the longer you neglect the king, that's where things are going to fall apart. And for most people that have never done this work, their king is probably hiding in a closet or under a table drunk somewhere. For people that have done the work, I don't think it ever quite gets to that point again. But what can tend to happen, like I think has happened with me a little bit, is my king has been, hmm, see, I'm actually having to, to stop and envision what, what, where has my king been? Hmm. How can I creatively and visually describe yeah well take a moment it's okay we can take a moment and we can think about it well i think he's he's been a little bit i think drunk not Mm -hmm. like wasted drunk but kind of over medicated on social media and things of pleasure a bit too much. So mm-hmm. he's, he's tired. He's, you know, I, I picture, you know, the king has been kind of stuck in bed a little bit and just not some days just not feeling like he wants to deal with the kingdom. So he's, yeah, he's just been a little bit absent from that, from that place much better in the last couple of days. He's, he's coming back online, but um, yeah, I would say that's kind of the visual is like this idea of not wanting to show up for, for the task at hand and then and it's not to say physically in this world i've been doing nothing i've been back to work i've been doing things but he's just been absent like his his heart center has been absent i've seen little glimpses of him here and there Mm. but as i mentioned earlier just a real kaleidoscope of emotions these you know i i think i feel like i've felt every emotion possible in the last two weeks frustration anger Mm. sadness joy lack abundance Mm. gratitude pessimism and to me when you're out of control in that sense like you're just feeling this these emotions just ping-ponging off of each other i think that that, that's lack of king oh yeah wow i've been um i've been kind of really thinking and refining my thoughts about my own king and uh you know, a quote comes to mind um, from a cartoon that I've been watching called The Dragon Prince. And um, there's a few episodes that are in it in season two, um, episode five and six. It's the story of, you know, how these nations came together and uh, they tried to resolve a really, really big issue in one of the nations that was dealing with starvation and drought and 
also war and there's a lot going on and uh there was this um gathering of the pentarchy in the show and one of the sovereigns that shows up is actually this child her name is anya and one of the regents uh looks to her and he's just like do you have your regent nearby like we're gonna be talking about some adult things and she kind of says like i speak for myself now and for my people and he's like oh yes but this is a very serious situation and i intend no offense but these require an adult perspective and what she says and this is where i feel like my king resonates is it seems i'm a crown without an adult and you're an adult without a crown let's just begin that's where i feel like my king is at because i think when when i think about my king i think about my inner child and i think my inner child is my king ultimately and um i think my king is a child king still i still have so much childlike wonder and playfulness in in who i am and you know oftentimes i keep trying to imagine my king as you know this older version of me the uh, untraumatized version mm. of my little child but i think really truly my king really is still just a child because every time i try to envision myself or envision him as an older version i feel like i'm forcing something you know i'm forcing something that maybe isn't actually there and so my my king is a child that wears the crown and oftentimes people tell me like luke it's time to grow up luke it's time to be the man that you're supposed to be and there's a part of me that feels really hurt when people say that right like why can't me who i am now with my childlike wonder and playfulness be king enough for you so when i heard queen anya say it looks like you're an adult without a crown and i'm a crown without an adult let's begin i just felt like whoa mic drop that's that's who my king is but yeah i don't know what do you think about that <laughs> so much so much to unpack there because mm -hmm. you know the idea is the inner child shouldn't be on the throne essentially Ooh. you know the idea is that we you know the king welcomes all aspects of himself to the table and and there are moments where he has to allow the the inner child to roam free and express himself or herself but when, when you were talking it's interesting because it's a it's a very unique perspective and in a way i almost feel as if visually i had this feeling of well what if like you know you said you were envisioning your child has the crown and that mm. when you envision somebody older and say wiser you you feel like you're forcing it and i and i can understand that mm. but here would be here would be something i would almost suggest is maybe the king that is on your throne though this is what i feel again mm -hmm. uh because i have a very strong inner child as well and you know that is when i envision my king older what connects me to this image of he's a little bit more gray bearded but man he has the ability to express the child so honestly that's part of being that well-rounded king mm. i think though what happens when my inner child takes the throne sometimes it's permission from the king and sometimes it's the it's the inner child just kind of the king turns his back for a second oh crap there's the kid on the throne again <laughs> and it shows up in a healthy way in a bad way the unhealthy way mm -hmm. is when there's overindulgence but the healthy way is when the king just goes yeah you know what i need your childlike wonder right now i need that creativity mm -hmm. that only you possess i need you to express that that truth about who you are and he allows that child to wear the crown 
for a day for an hour but what you're describing i don't think is it's not an unhealthy child on the throne like i don't mm. think what you're describing is this child who's he's expressing his trauma you know you've worked and are working through a lot of that but i just yeah i almost invite you to think maybe in terms of start thinking about what that older king looks like who is he's got that inner child with him just as a weird one too this came up when you were talking is yeah sometimes it, it is hard to connect with that image because of many different reasons but i just wonder if th th there's just a lot of pressure to grow up and what does that mean even to grow up mm. do you know like i behave very goofy and childlike in many instances and i think that's what also makes me a mature man Hold on. Say that one more time. I needed to hear that. Can you just say that one more time? <laughs> Being able to connect to that child and express that child is part of what makes me a mature man. Keep going. Okay. That is, again, that's part of, there's my word again, kaleidoscope. It's that kaleidoscope of energy. The fully embodied king has to have that quality. That is the healthy lover. And I look around at, you know, you look at a lot of men in the world and one of the most struggling archetypes is the lover. Mm -hmm. they, there's a real lack in connecting to that childlike wonder. And a lot of times when we were growing up as kids, our child got shut down by the overbearing father or mother. Don't do that, Scott. Don't do that, Luke. What are you doing? You're embarrassing me. It is strange, but it's like we reach 25, we reach 30, and all of a sudden we're supposed to shop at Tommy Hilfiger and buy dad's clothes and we're not allowed to skateboard anymore. Or like that's 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 deemed as, oh, you skateboard? That's so immature. It's like I told you at the top of the show before we hit record about my hairdresser who's 56. And man, like she's so in touch with that energy. But to me, that makes her a well-rounded, mature woman. Like she's out BMXing on her bike. She's doing all these things that feed that inner child. And uh, I think it is also the part of us that requires us to be a good parent because mm. if you can't as a king or queen in your household if you can't really truthfully not just feel that energy from the child you have to also be able to create that childlike energy for your child i just think that it's so important so but i do believe that in a weird way that that immature kind of goofy little boy who loves all the boy like things i don't know i think that also makes you a mature man because i think mm -hmm. there's just a lot of men who have cut themselves off from that because they have this idea in their mind that i have to be the king and i have to be the warrior mm -hmm. i don't have t i don't have time to be playful and silly i don't have time to be a goof those days are over yeah I, I'm a man now, but mm. you know, I think part of what makes you a man is connecting to the boy. Mm. Well said. Well said. Something that was coming up for me as you're talking is I got reminded of a interaction I had with a customer where it was closer to Halloween and, you know, I was making her drink and I just remember asking her, I'm like, are you going to dress up for Halloween? And she said, I used to dress up for Halloween, but then I grew up. And I remember looking at her and my, like, unintentionally, my mouth just dropped. I was like, oh, okay. And I think she recognized that, you know, she may have said something a little too brash, a little too blunt to me, because I don't think <laughs> she realized that, like, oh, I was coming from a place of, like, I'm going to dress up as this, and I'm going to do this and that. And 
I'm, you know, 28 and still dressing up for Halloween. And um, it was just a very interesting moment because I think in that moment, my child got wounded a little bit from from someone else, some outside force just being like, but then I grew up. And uh, I think I felt a little sad. I felt a little, a little bit of grief for her that she had to cut herself away, her child self away for some reason. I, I had another thought as you were, as you were speaking. You know, we talk a lot in archetypal work about how the king is the part of yourself that has a vision and he has a mission in life and something that he's passionate about where he gives directions and strategies for the warrior to accomplish. But here's a thought. I truly think the king, and I'm just thinking of this now in this moment for the first time, is that I, I think the king's vision is not possible without the boy. Hmm. Because the boy, the healthy boy in us is the, the boy who believed without question, without doubt, that he was fully capable of accomplishing anything he, he put his heart and mind to. And it was through our parenting, it was through our peers that the boy got crushed. Mm. So in this weird way, to me, the king really is... I mean, maybe even half of the king is that healthy boy. So when you're describing earlier that you envision your king as being a boy, actually, I, I don't think necessarily you do need to change that. Maybe that is exactly what your king looks like. Because in order for you to achieve your vision, in order to live Luke's life to the fullest, you connect more with that. There's not, I think actually in hindsight, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And it's interesting how having these conversations open up these can of worms. I don't know who came up with the can of worms thing, but uh, <laughs> it's an interesting thought. But uh, yeah, I, I think yeah, as long as that boy that's that's in charge is is healthy and he's still able to manage the other archetypes, fact that that's who you're visualizing, I think I don't see anything wrong with that. It, it, you mm -hmm. know, I think um, as I mentioned, I think for me when I'm my most creative, when I'm my most happiest, whether it's in my relationship whether it's at work, whenever I really truly am connecting to this grounding, calm king energy, there is a sense of childlike wonder to everything. There is this feeling of newness mm. as if you're looking at every, each and every single moment like a child. So yeah, I mean, you could, you know, say that, that it is, it's king and lover combined, but I, I you know, I think we're onto something there. I think this, this inner child thing, as you know, part of the work is, is healing those child's wounds, doing the visualization where in your king, in your fatherly energy, you learn mm -hmm. to love, you love the wounded boy, but who, who's to say you can't just heal that wounded boy and he's the one sitting on the throne because now he's healed. And now really it's just a boy with a much more mature magician mind who is able to to run the realm. Mm-hmm. I think what's commonly misunderstood or commonly uh, thought of as is that children are not wise, that they cannot make decisions that are right for themselves because they're just children. You know the old saying, you know, children shouldn't be heard, they should be seen. I I disagree, I think. I, I really think I, I, especially from my own perspective and my own archetypes, I would say that, yeah, my child is still learning. But once they learn, once they understand, I think it, it is a, a child who does know best sometimes. 
especially under the circumstances that they've been, you know, raised in a healthy environment that they've been parented with love and nurturing parents and that their values are set and they know who they are. You know, I think really, truly, that is someone that we all need in our lives. And maybe that's someone we might need to make some hard decisions. Who knows? I think to dismiss the perspective of a child is kind of foolish. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I think a lot of times children don't get enough credit. It's the same reason why uh, the elderly don't get it, uh, given any credit anymore. They get kind of wished away. And it's almost as if only people between the ages of 20 and 65 or something really know what they're doing. Mm. You know, the elderly and the really young, they're, you know, the elderly have lost their minds and the, the, the little ones haven't found their minds yet. But I had this thought again, thinking back to my parents growing up, and I just was imagining what kind of a, how different things would have been had I been supported the way that I, I that I needed to be supported and and again it comes back to that's why we we do this work to reparent ourselves and and to me that is kind of I think that is where the mature king comes from is the the idea of you're learning to embody both the masculine and feminine mother father energies to reparent the broken parts of yourself so that part of the king is really really important as as well and man those those shadows they you know I still push through a lot of like the scarcity one comes up a lot for me because both my parents had issues around money and abundance so it's, mm. it's trying to rewire that one has just been uh, crazy and i've been doing these um uh oracle cards that i have mm -hmm. and uh they're not future predicting cards it's more like hey what do i need to work on in this moment right now to further my career or better my relationship and the funny thing is man over the last month i keep asking the cards and i keep getting one form or another the cards that come up are about trust Mm. And I want to say this as well. I had this in my notes was that I, I think the big energy of the king is trust and surrender. Mm. The, the, the king is really able to trust that his warrior is on the right path. He's able to trust and, and know when to allow the other energies to, to come into play. But he just he has a surrender to himself. I think that especially when it comes to because a big part of the king is is the feeling of gratitude and abundance and you can't really have the feeling of gratitude and abundance unless you surrender and unless you trust mm. so that really came up that really came up for me because i've been feeling off center lately and, and disconnected from the king as i really felt yeah it's because i'm not able to trust and surrender and in a certain way i feel like the universe is telling me in so many different ways whether it's through the card readings or just through life is is it's literally saying you're real close but you have to trust <laughs> you're 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 still not quite trusting and the frustration there is that there was a period when we were doing i remember back in the day doing this shakti kriya meditation and the one thing that happened during that period was my god did i ever trust mm. i had I, I had completely relinquished control or the need for control of things out of my control like i i was just so like everything is happening perfectly beautifully and magically don't cling don't hang on to the edge of the cliff furiously like just let go and that's part of my journey back i think is 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 getting to that that point of of trust and surrender and i think the king is really able to just a really good example would be this let's say you're on social media 
And, and let's say there, let's say there's something you really want out of your life and you see somebody else get what you want. Yeah. The inclination is to get envious, jealous, frustrated with yourself, angry with yourself. But where the king is is really powerful is when the king is able to to celebrate it instead and go, mm. wow, their success is my success. And if they're doing it, I'm going to do it too. God bless them. And, you know, like you just, it's a complete 180 in how you handle those things. And I've also noticed a lot lately that there have been these sort of uh, almost um, shadow king-like things of being frustrated that, well, why are they, what's so great about them? Mm. Why are, why, why are they succeeding where I'm not? I deserve it more. Or I certainly feel like, not necessarily, I don't feel like I deserve it more, but I get to these monologues of, I certainly deserve that too. When's my ship sailing, right? So yeah, I think that's one thing in my notes this week where I, I felt like the, the king has, you have to trust and you have to surrender. And it's through that that you achieve grounding. You, you find your center. Because as you know, I mean, anxiety riddles so many of us yeah and that's that's the king not in control that's mm -hmm. the king uh, anxiety and fear running rampant mm -hmm. and i'm t and i'm telling you when i'm able to just approach every day every moment and really be present all that stuff slips away you know it's 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 how you do the work it's how you move through life and the way i see the king you move through everything in life. You'll, you'll be thrown off, of course. It's not going to all be sunshine and rainbows. But if you can approach almost everything in life from a place of grace and ease, that's the king. Mm. <laughs> wow. Right? Things get thrown at you, Luke. And you, you always have that way of reacting where you're like, oh, my God, it's this horrible oh, crap. And you start swearing and cursing yourself. And you feel that anxiety take over. And then all these other energies, archetypal shadows start consuming and taking over and trying to control the situation. Whereas it's the, the king. You approach it with grace. You approach it with ease. If someone triggers you, the king should be the first one online. He feels the boundary that's been crossed, like the warrior feels that boundary, but the king is able to go, raise his hand and, to the warrior and say, we need to let this land mm. and we need, we need to take this under advisement and we need to just think about this. You know, and I think a good king, he waits, he sleeps on it more often than not before responding to something that has been a slight because he needs to go and assess whether that slight is warranted or, or if he's being triggered because there's some undealt with shadow rather than just reacting to, to what's thrown his way. And when I think of the king, I think of self-control, right? The warrior might be about self-discipline, but in a weird way that the king really is that, I know discipline and control sound similar, but control for me is just, it's, it's how you move, it's how you speak, it's how you react. Mm -hmm. so, so the king really has that, he has his self-control. And, and he's also the one that needs to step in when you want that extra piece of cake. <laughs> yeah. Right, so. I'm getting a lot of thoughts to the Dragon Prince again. There is this one scene in it where his name is King Harrow, and he's the, the father of the main characters. And it was when uh, the main character was just a little baby, and King Harrow and Queen Sarai were in their rooms, and they're eating jelly tarts in bed. And King Harrow just has this moment where he's just like, why do I deserve this? What did I do except be born with everything? My father above all said, I must be a just king. The night he died, Lady Justice came to me in a dream. Really, really interesting scene. 
um, especially this part because his his wife was just like, "Oh, Lady Justice, huh?" And he's like, "She was wearing her robes," and she's like, "Oh, so a boring dream." <laughs> um, but um, uh, King Harrow said that she said to me that justice was more than fair decisions and fair consequences. True justice was a fair system. Then she laid before me her scales, her sword, and her blindfold, and she told me to choose. And then Queen Sarai was like, oh, you chose the blindfold, right? King Harrow said, I did. She said, the blindfold gives us a way to test the system, that I should use it to imagine I had not been born yet, and that I did not know if I would be born rich or poor, what color my skin would be, what culture or practices my family would have, that a fair system should be fair no matter the accident of my birth, that the rights and laws and opportunities within the system should stand to protect and empower everyone. I was just really thinking about that as you're talking, you know, because oftentimes we do compare ourselves to others. And it was just interesting because you are having some moments of thinking about how you don't have everything you need. But on the other side of that scale is there's sometimes there's kings that think, why do I deserve this? Right. And that really brings me back to that Venn diagram we were talking about during our conversation with the magician, how in one Venn diagram we have, I'm the worst. And then the other circle of the Venn diagram, we have I'm the best. And right in the middle, we have language that describes us as 100% us as the emotion or the experience, right? And it all comes to that pinpoint of shame. So even a king that has everything is still going to think, why do I deserve this? Why me? And I think what's really powerful about this scene is that, you know, Lady Justice or the, the king... Um, the king who has to decide justice for his people. She has the scale, she has the sword, but she also has the blindfold. And I found that really, really powerful because, you know, it really also segues me into the shadows of the king, which is, you know, the, the tyrant king or the, the weakling king, right? I feel as though the sword from the Lady Justice represents the tyrant, and then the scale represents the weakling, where the blindfold represents almost the king in, the, in his fullest, right? The sword, the tyrant, you know, being willing to cut down anyone that they think is better than them, whereas the scale is maybe weighing the two options so much that you just don't know what to do where the blindfold is the one that says no matter what your skin color what your culture what your practices are you will be judged fairly and i will make this decision from a place on the throne so anyways i just wanted to i wanted to hear your thoughts a lot to unpack on that one i'm uh i think you know the thing that comes to mind is is the shadows and and ping-ponging between the two Mm -hmm. like with the weakling and the tyrant you know the tyrant is compensating a lot of times for the weakling mm -hmm. which is why he's so afraid to get knocked off his throne by somebody or pushed off course so he, ha he has to in inside he is the weakling but he's portraying this tyrant on the mm -hmm. outside and then you do get situations quite simply, uh, even narcissists, they're very wounded. Uh, the tyrant is very much linked to true narcissism. And really the narcissist is somebody who's been extremely hurt. Uh, Robert Moore in his lecture says a line where he says, show, show me anyone who's been abused and I will show you an abuser. Wow. Um, and yeah. Now wow, hold on just one more time. Wow. That hit, it was a, that was a slow burn hit. Just say that one more time. Show me 
someone who's been abused and I will show you an abuser. Holy crap. And Luke, the, the truth is we've all been abused mm-hmm. to some level or another. It doesn't have to be like extreme abuse. And then because we've been hurt, because we felt that level of some form of abuse, we then do become the abuser. We then do feel the need to to kind of lash out. It's it's like I'm trying to think of a really good specific example, but it's like on a really smaller scale. It's like let's say you expressed yourself a certain way that was deemed inappropriate by your parents, by your peers. You put that into shadow. Mm. Then later in life, somebody else is expressing the exact same thing that you express, and now you shut them down. Because it's, because it's been learned and you were abused and it's like, hey, if if I have to shut mine down, so do you. Yes. Um, and it makes me think of, I had a guest on my podcast. Uh, this, is, this, this one, this story really stuck with me uh, with Christina uh, Hepburn and, and she was sharing the story of when she was a little girl and she was, you know, getting tucked in for bed and it was, it was story time and the mother was getting ready to read this book to her, but she was just being silly. Mm. playful and goofy and not only did her her mother like shut her down but i think like her mother like put her in the closet oh wow like physically put her there now the tragedy of that story is my my first reaction is my heart goes out to christina the little girl that just wanted to express herself fully and was shut down and punished she was punished for expressing herself but then my heart breaks a second time because I see the mother and like what happened to her to make her do that. Yeah. Might have been even worse. Mm-hmm. Because if you again, right? Abused becomes the abuser. So I, I think about her mother and I think about what the hell happened to her mother to mm-hmm. get her to the point where she inflicted that kind of emotional damage on a little girl. I mean that and that yeah, that's that that just it, it kills me when I when I think of that. So um, but yeah, this idea of, of, again, ping ponging, you know, you're making the comparison between the scales and the, and the sword or whatever. I think it, it, it is every archetype I'm learning more and more that these shadows really do, uh, go from that. I, I have that analogy of the, the stereo dial mm-hmm. where a lot of, a lot of us are in the, you know, the one, the two volume level with an archetype. And then to, uh, because there's no balance, we overcompensate and we, we go from masochist to sadist like that. Mm. We, we go from the weakling to the tyrant like that. Or sometimes we go kind of into this confident tyrant energy. And then if someone pokes us the wrong way, we can drop our energy, boom, right back down. Mm-hmm. Right? Or if our healthy king is not strong enough yet, it's like Robert Bly says, don't share your gold mm. until, until you're ready. Because if that's the thing, when you, if you share your gold and you're not ready, if someone tries to pull that rug out from under you, boom, you're right back into weakling. Yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, the more, the more I do this, the more I realize that these, these shadows really do play. And, and, and the other one I wanted to, wanted to touch on a little bit was we talked a bit about suicide and how it was linked to maybe lover, maybe linked to warrior. Mm-hmm. I had this thought though, where I was like, again, because I feel like without the king, you've got nothing is the fact that I feel like it starts with the weakling king. Mm. I'm not enough. Mm. There's nothing special about me. Uh, I'm not worthy. Mm-hmm. And, fr- and from there, that shadow branches out into the masochist, yeah. into the denying innocent one, 
And then because of all those shadows now consuming though, those passive shadows kind of taking over control and you're slipping further and further. And cause I think I'm, I'm starting to believe that clinical depression might actually be all of those passive shadows consuming mm-hmm. somebody weakling King masochist mm-hmm. denying innocent one. And then they turn into, this is the, this is the crazy one. There's the impotent lover as well. Okay. Mm. So it's almost like those four shadows are consuming them so much. They turn to the addicted lover to try and solve it. Mm. And that leads to a lot of, I, I, again, just speculation. I'm not a, you know, therapist or anything like that, but I believe maybe through the archetypes, that's where clinical depression and suicidal ideation happens is when it's not just one archetype, it's a combination to get to that point. It's a combination of these archetypal shadows consuming somebody to that level. Because think about it. Think about it. Imagine if your impotent lover, denying innocent one, masochist and weakling, all came together to sit on your throne. What would happen? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah. Completely ho- hopeless and helpless, and you're yeah. and you're you're not going to feel um, like you deserve to be in this world. You're not going to feel special. You're not going to feel like you deserve love. You're not going to feel um, smart or intelligent enough. You're going to feel stupid. Um, so yeah, I, I I think that is the pathway. Uh, and 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 I think in a weird way, the level of people's depression, right, from clinical to you know feeling blue on a certain day, let's say it really is these shadows and how much they're in play, not in play. And it's, it's very complex, but I mean, when you really break it down and the more you dive into it, it really starts to make a lot of sense. <laughs> I think that's uh, a beauty moment of the archetypal language is that, you know, once you really start to like understand and embody it and just use this type of language more often, I think, think you might be able to explain things in a way that you have never been able to explain things before if that makes any sense and I, I it's I can see where you're coming from and I would be curious to see if uh if there's any type of research or papers that have been published that would maybe justify what you're saying because it makes sense I, I hear what you're saying and like yeah wow and and to add to that real quick another thought is so if someone's in like say impotent lover or masochist or certainly weakling king if we want to go with the king that is where archetypal transference will take place so we start to basically what's missing in in ourselves we'll look for in the other person which is why you have let's just as an example this is very stereotypical but that's why you might have the sensitive people-pleasing person who is dating the overconfident, obnoxious bully, you know, like mm. be- because they're lacking that so much in their own self, they're, they're, you know, and especially with the king, Robert Moore talks about a lot is this archetypal transference where it's like, I don't want it. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't have the power. So you take it. And that's why you see, especially in, in, lo- in relationships, intimate relationships where some, when they say someone's wearing the pants, mm. well, really all that, all that is, is someone's wearing the crown. Mm. It's not pants. It's not pants. It's somebody sitting on the throne and it's not a shared kingdom. I, I like that a lot more. You know, I mean, that saying, that saying is so outdated anyways, because again, I mean, I'm packing this over and over, but this whole, this weird, I've been struggling a lot lately, delving into men's coaching with this, just this masculinity thing, what it means to be a man. And there's still, I think too many men are thinking on a very superficial level. 
Like to get mm -hmm. our masculinity back, we need to um, get our balls back. And to some degree, I think they're, you know, I prefer to say it's not balls. You just need to get your warrior back. Yeah, I was just going to say that. It's, it's not about your, it's not about your balls. Like, you know, it's like, didn't Betty, like Betty White made the best reference ever. She's like, I would rather have a vagina any day of the week. That thing takes a pounding and keeps going. Like your the balls, you get, you get kicked in the nuts once and the guy crumbles over. Wow. So there, so I mean, seriously. Right. And I just, I think I, I you know, I think in the, in the men's coaching realm, there's just too much of this, this, this is what a man should be. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I'm leaning more and more towards you, you need to find the correct balance of masculine and feminine energies within yourself. Uh, there was a great thing. I should actually read it to you. It'd be really powerful for the show. We'll do it in a second. But there was a Facebook post that, that covered this where there was a guy that posted something what I'm analyzing. And then this um, about masculinity. And this, this gay man came on and commented. And I, I almost was like, dude, like, this is exactly just it right because a lot because to be honest a lot of gay men are more feminine but it doesn't make them less masculine to me do you know what i mean when i say that like just because you're expressing the feminine doesn't necessarily make you less manly do you know what i mean like i i, I feel like we're still trying to divide those two things yes too much i think um he, here's an interesting thought that I had a while ago, but you know, like with language and to determine how someone might be feeling a lot of shame, oftentimes they say I am and then insert experience emotion, right? I am man, I'm male, right? Let's let's plug in, you know, these these gendered words into that shame language equation that I was talking about and you know, if, if I was to take like a big manly man and put him in a dress, I bet you anything he'd say, I feel girly, right? Or I feel f like feminine, I feel wrong. And I'm not saying that that's wrong, right? You're allowed to feel girly, you're allowed to feel wrong. If that doesn't work for you, great. Now you know that, right? But if, if a man puts on a dress and they're like, I feel good. Why are we j judging that? Why are we shaming that? I, I think that's a big part of, I think weirdly enough, clothes is a huge part of this uh, system that we've created about what is a man and what is a woman. Because uh, I mean, we're just that saying, you know, who wears the pants? You know, it, it's really integrated into our culture is uh, what we wear and yeah and and i think as well I, i'm seeing a lot of men out there that are feel here's a funny thing they feel very threatened by the feminine right now mm. um yeah and part of it's the woke culture part of it is feminism okay i guess but there is a very i'm noticing this there's a very fundamental thing happening with men where they are because they're terrified of the feminine taking too much power let's say they need to overcompensate by going back to being more manly and, and cutting themselves off from the feminine but i'm like no no but that's that's how we move into the new paradigm is men need to be more in touch with their feminine that's the it's a bottom line dude what's lacking is men are afraid to express their emotions they're afraid to open their hearts hmm. that's the feminine energy dude i think what you're also saying is you know, being honest with yourself when you experience something. 
this reminds me of the story I was once, I was think I was reading it on like Tumblr or something, but this, uh, this boy and his older brother um, were going into a video game shop and, you know, the, the dad was uh, going to be at the video game shop in just a second, but the, the brother wanted to help his younger brother pick out like a controller and a video game that, you know, would interest him. So they, they're going around the video game shop and the, the little brother's going around being like, what's this game? What's this game? You know, what's this about? Who's the main character in this? And he wound up picking out a controller that was like a bright um, purple. And he picked a game that was featuring a female protagonist. I think it was called like Mirror's Edge or something where it's like all parkour, but it's a female who's the main protagonist. And then the father finally comes uh, to the video game store and um, he looks at uh, what his youngest son is about to buy. And he says, no, you're not getting a purple controller. And this is a this is a girl that is the main character of this. Like, I will not have my son playing with a purple controller and playing a game with a girl. And the older son actually just told his dad off being like, no. I'm buying this for my younger brother. I want him to buy what he wants. In that situation, if I was to envision myself being in the perspective of the younger brother, which I am a younger brother, I understand that perspective, to go into a video game shop and just be free and to let whatever comes before you give you joy and just being true and honest with yourself about how that makes you feel, I think that's just where being healthy with yourself, regardless of gender, regardless of masculine, feminine, a mixture of both, whatever you want to see. I think that's the, the direction we need to be heading into, right? Just being true and honest with yourself and letting people be true and honest with themselves, right? I think that's where a true king really sits is that, you know, am I going to be a tyrant and swing my sword at my son, like you're saying? um hurt people hurt people am i going to be a weakling <laughs> deep down inside or am i going to wear that blindfold and just wear a uh, trust have a fair and trust system and just you know let people be free <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and i think men are again they're afraid these these guys are really afraid of the feminine and they're afraid of it because oh you know, it's making men too soft and i'm like well it's not so much the feminine that's making them soft. It's an imbalance in the archetypes. It's an imbalance with they're, they're a weakling king or they're a mat. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it really isn't this thing about masculine and feminine because here's the thing. A man, in my opinion, can be really in touch with a feminine part of himself but still remain fierce and create boundaries for himself that are very warrior-like. So it's just this, it's too black and white or too cut and dry when people, like I said, when it's the whole, you know, um, who's wearing the, you know, who's wearing the pants or who, who's got the bigger, you know, nutsack, like whatever that is, right? It, it's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I mean. Right. I think, you know, linguistically, you know, I am a man. Well, you also feel like a man, Right. And I think there's some shame, weirdly enough, in saying, you know, I am man, mm -hmm. right? As opposed to I feel like a man, which is separating yourself from the experience of masculinity and manhood. And it's almost like you can hold, take it out of yourself and hold it, right? And now it's the separate thing. But there's also the validity of like, 
I am woman or I feel like a woman. I think there's also that as well. And I think in every single human, we have these feelings. Even the most manly of men, you put him in a dress, he's going to say, I feel like a girl. I feel girly. I feel awful, right? Mm. You can still feel girly, right? Even though you're a man, right? Because interestingly enough, I think uh, gender is expressed through our emotions as well. And we can have a mixture of uh, anger and happiness. We can have a mixture of depression and excitement. We can have a mixture of masculine and feminine, right? And the feminine can be can be chaotic and it can be very fierce. Like I, it, I just don't think men are really understanding the the concept of feminine. They, I think, the problem is is they're closed minded. Yes, they're viewing feminine as girly and mm. soft and weak. And it's like, hey, but that in itself means you have a problem because you're not seeing and, and acknowledging the strength and power of the feminine. Because I'm telling you, man, think about like the Hindu gods are a great one, but look at Kali Ma. She's like the goddess of destruction, right? That is feminine energy at its, I mean, come on, right? So I feel like a lot of men, they're, they're not, that is them not giving credit to the power of, of, of true spiritual feminine energy. They're mm-hmm. really caught, they're really caught up in this, like the idea of feminine is pink dresses, you know, I don't know, just girly softness, vulnerable puppy dogs and ice cream. That's how they view feminine. I'm like, you're missing the boat. You're not progressing if you're thinking like that. Mm. So uh, I wanted to, I'm, I'm going to share this because I think it's good for conversation. But th- this is a guy, this is a guy who's been, he went, I saw him go through this journey of depression and, and he was for a while, he was really expressing himself. Then he found this men going their own way crap. And, and it's almost like, oh, okay, here we go. But see, he has a lot of triggering posts for sure. But uh, so he says, he says this, he says, deep down, Men know that they should be masculine and strong because if they were fine and comfortable with being perceived as feminine, they wouldn't get so triggered by it. I don't get triggered by it. You get triggered by it, right? That's a a broad statement. Then he says, feminine doesn't equal weak or inadequate. Without feminine, none of us men would be here. But denying your masculinity is like chopping off your own balls. Do that for what purpose? To be liked, to be accepted? This isn't, that isn't virtuous. It's weak. But what's interesting is he contradicts himself because he says feminine doesn't equal weak or inadequate. But if you chop your balls and express femininity, it's weak. That's really interesting. Cause like, it isn't in the male anatomy, the balls, the most like vulnerable place. Well, it's like I just said, you, you kick somebody in the nuts and, and the guy doubles over like Betty White said, I'd rather have a vagina than balls. Cause that thing takes a pounding and, and yeah. Right. So my thing when i read this though is it's like a lot of that energy to me is like dude this is what you're scared every every post i read is like you're scared of the feminine dude there's something in you that is not healed regarding the feminine like you you feel this need to there's this weird thing where you need to defend your masculinity why do you feel the need to defend your masculinity what is that um so anyways what the reason i want to do this is because in comes this guy and I, i thought this was a really good response uh he says not seeing the humor in this post, but I'm just me. And by being me, I have zero problems admitting that leading with my feminine energy on the daily is something natural to me. I am a gay man amongst men who is equally masculine, but with the comfort and the ability to understand that by leading with this energy, it associates me with stillness, nighttime, 
intuition, creativity, feelings, and senses. Some in the know would call that the greater yin. I know that with this gift, I am open to allowing myself to be vulnerable, honest, transparent, and authentic. It's nearly impossible for me to be out of integrity. I am blessed with the ability to connect deeply with any person or situation. People enjoy the presence of my company because of this. And to me, this is what I truly love about myself. Mm. He sounds like a really healthy man to me, but he, but he just happens to be a man who's very strongly connected to the feminine. And I, I just saying, I don't think that makes him, uh, it's this, it's, it's this thing about masculine men need to be strong and flex their muscle and, and they need to be the, you know, guys like the one who did the original post, they, they still believe they need to be the dominant force in the household and all that crap. And what's happening is they view, they, he truly does believe men as higher. That's the, that's the bottom line. He sees men as higher and he's not yeah. seeing it. He's not seeing it as an equal. So the feminine or any representation of feminine energy is putting him on alert. And I just, I read those things. I'm like, dude, you need to heal this shadow. You need to do this. <laughs> like, I, I hate diagnosing. I really do. It's, it's, I feel like such a, uh, what do you call it? An arrogant King when I do that, but it's just, it's an observation. Mm. Uh, and, and I, I don't just see it in him. I just see it in a lot of men. Uh, and I just, and I just think, I know what they're referring to. I do understand that. Yeah. Sometimes men are too soft. Like they're not in their warrior enough. They aren't. They, they have, okay, fine. You want to use the, the they've lost their pants, or their balls, whatever. But they, I, I call it, they've just, they've, they have no king. They have no warrior, but you can be a fierce man, a fierce warrior and a king, but becoming from a vulnerable feminine energy more often than you are any of the other energies, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's the, I think that's the thing that people aren't. And again, to me, these kind of posts, whether it's, from women or from men it's it's so divisive still it's not fluid it's not mm. open so you're really making me think of another quote from the dragon prince here um but uh king harold wrote a letter to his stepson something that he he wrote is like i want to share with you a lie a wish and a secret now what i want to focus on is mostly the lie and a wish the secret was kind of just some sort of cute little thing that he shared with his son but the lie was um, the great lie of history. Advisors and scholars will tell you that history is a narrative of strength. They will recount stories of the rise and fall of nations and empires. They will be stories of armies, battles, and decisive victories. But this isn't true strength. It's merely power. I now believe that true strength is found in vulnerability, in forgiveness, in love. There is a beautiful upside down truth, which is that these moments of purest strength appear as weakness to those who don't know better. I ask that you and your brother reject history as a narrative of strength and instead have faith that it can be a narrative of love. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, we were just kind of talking about that, but <laughs> it's all about love. It's all about that's why so many of us are in pain because mm -hmm. we, we all inherently just want to be seen, accepted, loved, heard. Um, yeah. And I think, yes, we need strength. Of course we need strength, but I also feel like a lot of what's happening in the world too, is that too, too many of us are portraying strength when we're the weakling king. Wow. 
when 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 in reality we are scared we are like i i bet if you did a poll and you asked almost most human beings on the planet i would be willing to guarantee you that everybody has done that or felt that mm. that that feeling of not being enough or whatever that feeling is that that sad feeling and feeling the need to portray otherwise and yeah. when we do that it leads to more depression it leads mm. to more suicide it leads to more anger it leads to more frustration and more importantly it leads to even more disconnection you ever see that movie the invention of lying i think with richard uh, ricky gervais where you couldn't lie anymore everyone was just speaking the truth oh wow no but uh, it's a it's a, it's a great movie but imagine if on social media all of a sudden there could be nothing fake anymore it had to be all real and it had to be all honest it would be a fucking mess <laughs> but it would be a beautiful mess because i and i guarantee you more friendships would be made more connections would be had because people would all of a sudden realize that that person that irritates them the most on social media is like their soul friend you know, like that, you know, I, I read this once too, uh, you know, I think Carolus Pearson, one of her books talks about that idea where, uh, again, a lot of times the things that, that trigger you, like, you know, let's say that person on social media, that's, that's always playful and happy and you get rubbed the wrong way by it. Well, it's probably because you need to tap into that energy a little more. Mm-hmm. They're expressing, they're, they're expressing a part of yourself that's going unexpressed. I feel like in the world today, there is a there's a deep amount of pressure on us to be happy all the time and to only ever share success to only ever exude happiness uh if you talk about death if you talk about grief if you talk about difficult things you're you, there's something wrong with you and and i did a post today and um when i was experiencing these last few days off center and all these unwanted emotions came up i kept saying out loud to myself what's wrong with me mm. what's wrong with me what's wrong with me and i had to i had to go dude there's nothing wrong stop it there's nothing wrong with you and this is what's lacking in the world is that yeah they're difficult conversations but what, what what's a better way of living opening up and really saying hey you know what like for me to open up and just say you know what i'm a coach i hold space i'm really good at what i do for other people but you know what i have my broken stretches mm-hmm. I can be very sad. I can be very emotional still. I'm not like, you know, on some high mountaintop, like preaching to the world all the time. Um, what's better is is expressing that or just continuing to pretend like you have your, your crap together 24-7 all the time. And that's what I think most people are doing is they're trying to portray this image that I have everything together. But I guarantee you, 90% of people underneath that are compensating for some things. I just don't believe that you can you can be that happy all the time. Maybe you can. Maybe maybe you can and maybe I'm I'm too pessimistic. I think I believe you can be more happy more often like, you know, mm-hmm. the major, the majority of the time, but we're human beings, man. We're filled with doubts, insecurities. I don't care who you are. We're struggling. Yeah, especially into today's world. Gosh. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah. Usually towards the end of my conversations, I like to do a little rapid fire though. Uh, would you be down for a little bit of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. I, it's just, it feels weird to jump into this cause it's like, it's the end. No, it's never, it's never the end. You know, we're going to have another conversation at some point. So I um, hope so. Yeah. It's this stuff is, this has been, I can't wait to listen to them and take notes. 
because I feel like there's a lot of content in here that I'm like, oh my God, like I could create content here and there, like just stuffed, you know, that just kind of came up. So yeah, I'm looking forward to to listening. And I just, uh, yeah, thank you so much for having this little saga with me. I feel like this has been a, a real epic podcast saga that we've been going on. And uh, yeah, thank you. I, from the bottom of my heart, I just really do appreciate you talking about this with me and, you know, having some, uh, opening up some space for both of us to, to really just talk you know, and uh, use this language a little bit more and just feel inspired. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the first question I like to usually ask is, um, what does vulnerability mean to you? Expressing your true self. Mm. Showing who you truly are. It goes back to what we just finished off saying, like real being vulnerable is being honest with yourself and with others. Mm. Love it. Ah, okay, Scott. So you're called to do a really scary thing and you're the only one who can do it. What's the first thing that you do? Breathe. Nice. Yeah. Breathe. I love that. Um, what is your favorite meal? Oh, that's, I don't know if I can narrow that down. Anything my girlfriend makes. Aw, <laughs> that's so cute. I love that. Because I feel like, first of all, it's always delicious. It's always good. And there's just something really, it, it's, I think it's one of her love languages. And I just, I, you know, anytime people cook for one another, there's love in that. Mm. Feeding somebody, you know, that's why, you know, in a lot of cultures, especially in India and places like that, where, you know, they just feed the hell out of you. It's, it's such a, it's, it's such a loving thing. So when you first ask the question, it's like, oh, you know, I really like Indian food. I really, I love pizza. But the meals that I really enjoy are the ones that are that are made by other people. So maybe oh. I, I would even go as as broader as as not just Nally, but just me meals that are made by loved ones. Oh, that's so ah, I love that. Um, what was the last uh, TV show that you may have uh, binged or watched recently? Uh, that's a list. Um, <laughs> I would say the, the the last one that I binged, like just boom, 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 couldn't stop it was White Lotus. Oh, I've been hearing about this. Yeah, it's a fantastic, fabulous show. And I watched the two seasons in about two and a half days, I think over the holidays, that was my last binge binge. Like my girlfriend and I, we've been binging kind of like, you know, we watch like two, three a night to the next night, but white Lotus was the last one where it was just like, I was not stopping and I was just binging from, from top to bottom. Wow. You know what I've been binging is SWAT. Okay. Like I, I really love um, crime dramas. I don't know why, like I've talked about how much I like criminal minds. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, SWAT, I've been watching that. It's um, what a great show showing healthy men interacting with each other, doing really, really manly things like shooting people up. And uh, they talk about all these really big issues, you know, like they do have like um, what it's like to be a black person in South L.A., what it's like to be a woman uh, trying her best to have a career in a male dominated field and what it means to be a healthy man. I wasn't expecting going into a show 
that's all about guns and like SWAT mm-hmm. members and like you know bullets and solving crime would leave me crying and sobbing and my heart just a flutter afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, what a great show! Anyways, that's just my little. <laughs> I, uh, my girlfriend and I just finished a show that she picked out uh, on Netflix. Uh, it was a mini series of like six episodes. They might do season two. I don't know. Uh, the lead actor is the guy from played Rob Stark on Game of Thrones. Okay, uh, and it's it's like um, I don't want to say it's spy. It's a thriller. It's a drama thriller. Basically, it's called Bodyguard. Okay, he's like this troubled bodyguard that you know fought. Um, you know, he's got a bit of PTSD problems, and uh, he's 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 assigned to protect the the Home Secretary mm. uh, in England or whatever. And of course, she's under a lot of fire for wanting to change a lot of you know rules around guns and things like that. But it's more than a political thriller. Like it's like the characters are really good, and it, it right from the beginning that show is so engaging, and so much is packed into six episodes. Uh, I would highly recommend checking that one out. I I was. Re- really tense show 2018 and and it it was just fantastic i really liked it and we also had a lot of fun we watched wednesday oh yes i watched that too okay so i gotta ask you this real quick this is so important okay it's harry potter what wednesday is a basically it's harry potter Okay. It's yeah. a diff- it's a different rendition. I'm going to explain this quick cuz as soon as I was watching I'm like rather than the the Gryffindor and the Slytherin, you have these factions in yeah. this in this special school where yeah. you've got werewolves and you've got people with this ability with that and and there there's the school uniforms and here's the other thing is and each season is going to be a semester at school or a year at school. She's going to keep coming back and it'll be another kind of thing that she has to solve. Meanwhile, though, there's going to be a larger narrative through each school semester or a year. Dude, it, it totally has a very, it is highly influenced by Potter, man. I, that's all I, yeah. I can see that now. I can it's, see that now. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's, it's like, yeah, she's, it's very much, it's Harry Potter, man. You know what was so fascinating about Wednesday for me is uh, here is a macabre, somber, depressing, gothic girl and family. But yet here is here is a, a family and people, despite all those things, that are actually really wholesome and healthy. Yeah. And that that's just what I, I love about it. You know, like I, I do think maybe um, based off of my experience working with individuals with autism i think there might be some autism in wednesday i'm not saying that to pathologize or diagnose or it's just my suspicions my theory my hypothesis but i think that's what makes her so awesome yeah right and i think that's i I just love her that that, (laughs) and she's not that what i love about her character she's not afraid to express the darkness which is something that we all avoid and i love that about her character like you know, like, I love the fact that a horror movie for her was like a comedy. Yes. You know, like things like that. And I just, I like how they, you know, the, the dark side of it for her. And then also the fact that I think, yeah, the show does really praise the idea of, you know what? It's not only okay to be different, it's kind of cool to be different. So be yourself in all of your quirks and all of your strangeness. And that's why I think Wednesday, like for a lot of the characters, it covers that whole side of like, it's okay to be odd and weird and then the other part of it too with wednesday is you do root for her to feel more though yes 
And and when and that's why it makes it so beautiful when she finally has these just minute moments where she gets a little bit tender. Mm-hmm. Um, and you realize that that yeah, underneath a lot of that is this person who still feels, but she's this is it's her it's still who she is. She loves differently. She expresses differently. Could she open up a little bit more and let loose a little bit more? Yeah, but that would not, but not too much. Cause that would completely ruin who she is. Right. So uh, I just, uh, yeah, I just loved it. And it just, it, it had, like I said, it had a bit of that Harry Potter thing going on for me where I was like, yeah, this is very much like a female Gothic Harry Potter. I love it. Yeah. I hear that. I hear that. I see it now too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because it's me and it's going to be strange and I don't expect you to actually have an answer, but do you have a favorite Pokemon? I don't, I'm not even familiar with Pokemon okay. enough to, to choose. I played the, uh, I played the Pokemon Go thing. I got into that rage very briefly. Okay. Um, but I have no recollection really of it. That's fine. Hey, I, I have to ask because it's me. My fa- my favorite Pokemon character is people who get joy out of Pokemon. Aw, okay. <laughs> if, 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 if I'm allowed to do that, because I do know it brings a lot of people joy, and and I know the universe is like many of the universes I I fall in love with, right? Yeah, and it goes back to our conversation about the inner child. Is I I love when I see people nurture that 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 part of themselves. I I think that's a huge again. It goes back. That's a huge part of running a, a smooth kingdom is channeling that that part of your kid right mm-hmm. okay well final question is uh do you have any advice for the next generation that you'd like to leave out there <sighs> always be true to you wow no matter what don't lose sight of 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 who you are because we all get thrown off the path. I still get thrown off the path, mm-hmm. but whenever I can come back to the heart of who I am, I feel much different. Um, I think be true to you. I would even switch that to surrender to yourself. Ooh, I feel that surrender to yourself. And, and within that, yeah, there's, there's a trust, there's a letting go. But surrender to yourself. That that encompasses just yeah, full ex, full full expression of of who you are as a as a human being. And wow. whether and whether that expression is more masculine, or it's more feminine, it doesn't matter as long as you're. That's why I say I have a hard time earlier with this delineation between the two because I'm mm-hmm. like you you can still be a man and be slightly more feminine or extremely more feminine. So um, surrender to yourself means whatever that, whatever that is. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, for those people that are, you know, have struggled with homosexuality and finding their way, being transgender, like whatever that is, just surrender to yourself. And, and the world needs, needs us to do that. Um, Mm. because all of this stuff, no matter what it is, it's so temporary. All these arguments we have about, well, this and that we're here to be ourselves and we're here to express ourselves fully and nothing else. I love it. That was, wow, mic drop. I love that. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Scott. I I really appreciate you doing this saga with me. Is there any way for people to reach out to you if they could or can? Um, Is there any place they can do that? Uh, Yeah, I would say the the number one way to reach me is through my Instagram. 
uh, through DMs. Um, and my Instagram has, or my Facebook, but uh, my Instagram handle is uh, at it's Scott Harris. Yeah, that's that's pretty much where you can, you know, I've poured a lot of my stuff into into that place. Obviously, there's the Hero in Progress podcast, uh, which is on Apple and Spotify and all those other fun places. So that's definitely another another place to connect. Or if they want to go website, they can go uh, training.com which has all my well, all, all the services that I offer, whether it's personal training in person or whether it's uh, men's coaching online. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Scott. Thanks, and I do me. hope we can chat again and uh, have another we're, one. We're going to be. Whaley hit stop. <laughs> Amazing. All right. all right. Thanks, Scott. the uh the big long archetypal saga podcast with scott harris i am so thankful that uh he agreed to go on this journey with me and i'm so thankful that you decided to listen to it thank you it's so kind of you <laughs> and um yeah i uh i'm going to be leaving some of scott's uh, links down in the description if you want to check him out for any personal training or personal uh, life coaching. Um, he's currently running the Brotherhood of Kings uh, men's support group. And um, if you'd like to sign up for that, I will leave some links in the description below. Yeah, I definitely recommend personally to uh, go to Scott just for um, any type of life coaching. Um, he's a great uh, energy and um, very supportive person to be around. And yeah, if you are definitely looking for someone to help you change your life in some way scott is definitely the person who can help you with that it does however require a lot of internal bravery a lot of internal courage and you know you got to be willing to face your shadows and face maybe some of the darkest parts of yourself but scott's very good at standing there with you and <laughs> guiding you along i think it was said in the legend of korra <laughs> It was Avatar Aang to Korra who said that when we are at our darkest moments, that's when we are open to the greatest change. You know, I think this speaks volumes to the work that Scott does is that, you know, you got to recognize that you are in a dark place maybe and have some awareness of it and be willing to be open. That's how we change. And so, yeah, I guess on that note, I am going to leave you be and um, to Brambling. Again, I love you so much. I see you as the little prince, the little king, the little royalty of our family right now. And um, yeah, you're very special for us. And um, I just wish you the absolute best in your life, in your existence. And I love you. The Dear Brambling Podcast is a podcast dedicated to my little nephew, to the next generation of humans growing up in this world, as well as to those who might be looking for a little more guidance in their life. It is hosted by me, Luke Benoit. The editing and sound design are provided by MB Productions, as well as Hideout Productions. 
The music that you're listening to is called Sunlight Cascading Through the Clouds by Artificial Music. If you'd like to follow me on any social media, I am on Instagram and Twitch at Rex. And for those who are still listening this far into the podcast, I'd like to take a moment to really thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'd also like to say that if you are experiencing any difficulties or pain in your life right now, there is still no substitute for a trained coach, counselor, or licensed therapist. If you are committed to putting in the work and really trying to better yourself as a human, I definitely recommend that you go searching and shopping for the right coach, counselor, or therapist for you. 